All right, final week, week six, Evangelism 101. You've made it to the end. If you look around, you've, you're one of the, the dwindling numbers here that has made it to the end. So <clears throat> they're, probably, they're probably out busy talking to people about Jesus right now. They're probably all over town talking to people, which is good. That's better. That's what we hope for. It just didn't take them six weeks. They got it in five. So that'll be all right. So last week we covered how to tell your story and went over that. So how many people went home and did your homework? Finished your story, talked to somebody else about it, uh, shared your story, got some feedback. Um, now, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but I want to ask if anybody would like to share their story. I want to give you the opportunity to do so. Any takers? Linda? We'll get Linda up here. Or you can stand right there if you like. Okay, two out, well, it's fresh. It's fresh. Come up here. We'll use the microphone so we can get it, so people at home can hear you. So we're all going to, we're not going to judge you. We're going to help you. Okay. Tie you to two minutes. First of all, the reason I volunteered is because most of you don't know me, um, other than I'm Linda. And so, anyway, the last 24 hours have been emotional for me, and through all of that two hours ago, I bawled. And so I might not make this, but two minutes. I can do two minutes. <laughs> right. So anyway, I grew up in a church. Um, my parents didn't always go, but we were always expected to go. And I'm thankful for that. Um, if, yeah, sure, I learned really young that church and friends and my extended family were my family. They were the ones that cared. In junior high during a lay witness mission weekend, I finally heard and believed everything I heard about Jesus. And um, yeah, junior high was a long time ago. And since then, uh, well, believing in Jesus was one more thing that separated me from my family, um, that made me not fit in. And I've spent a lot of efforts in the last many, many years on diets and men. Diets, because I grew up as the fat one. Um, fat jokes, fat songs, fat stories, they were aimed at me. And men, because I think I always needed what I didn't get at home. So I've been married three times and divorced twice and now widowed. Not things I'm proud of. Though through all the years and bad choices, I have five wonderful people who call me mom and 17, soon 18 grandchildren and friends everywhere, everywhere I've lived. And through it all, whether I've deserved it or not, God has hung in with me. In the last 14 months, I've found new trust and new faith. Um, and I've learned that Jesus really is the man in my life, 
and I know he's going to keep hanging in there with me. Amen. Great job. Great job. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, I mean, when you're talking to somebody and you're just real, I mean, there's nobody that can say, you don't know what you're talking about because that's your story, that's your experience, and you're saying, here's what happened to me and here's where Jesus came through. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's a perfect way to get right through to somebody and you're not hiding anything and you're not putting anything out there saying, oh, you know what, I got saved and I've never had a problem ever since then. Um, I mean, that's, that's real life and that's, you know, that's what we're hoping to do uh, through this is just to be able to, to, to put out there how it really is. And, you know, you can connect with so many people that have a background in so many different areas. So I love it. That was great. Anybody else want to share? Irene's going to try. No, she's going to do well. She's going to do very well. I don't know if I can tell anything in two minutes. Two That's minutes. That's my problem. Clock right. me up here. Clocking okay. me up. Okay. Go little, I'm going to talk okay. to Linda. Okay. Okay. So Linda, I grew up in Esterville here. I went to the Christian church. It's over there by the post office, you know. And at 13, 14 years old, um, got a new pastor. And he had a really good-looking uh, son that was my age. So I never missed any activities for the youth, right? But this pastor struck a note with me, and I liked to listen to him talk. So when he said he was going to have a Jesus, um, pro, uh, what am I trying to say, Jesus workshop thing, I asked for adults. I asked him if I could come, and he said, yeah, I could. And it just really impacted me. And so I asked him if I could have Jesus in my heart, and he said, sure you can. And he led me to Jesus, and I was water baptized over at the Christian church. So... We had my grandmother living with us, and she's very legalistic and very Christian. And she sat me down, was happy what I had done, but she sat me down and said, Now, you're a Christian, she said, but listen, you don't only take the big things to God. You don't mess with all that little stuff. You only take the big things, and you don't bother him because he's busy. So I lived with this my whole life of not taking any little stuff. So 20s and 30s were busy, got married, children, lived on the farm. You know all about that, of course. And he was my friend, and I would talk to him when things got really tough, you know, but never had a real close relationship because I didn't want to bother him, right? So we're in our 40s. We went to a Dave Wilkerson rally in Spencer, and it just impacted me how I wasn't living my life for the Lord. So Alan and I went forward, and he gave his life to the Lord, and I rededicated mine. And went to Sherburn, and we had water baptism there. So I had a relationship with God. Now I could talk to him. I still didn't want to bother him, but I could talk to him, and he seemed a lot more real to me and had him in my life. And then after I lost Aon in that tragic accident, then I realized that I needed to have more Lord in my life. And so I went on my knees, and I said, you know, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't do any of this on my own. I need you in the little things and in the big things. And he came through powerful ways. Just, he was always there. He was for, did everything, you know. So now I feel like I have a close relationship with him. And I take the big things and all the little stuff, too. And he's always there. I don't know. I wasn't really timing you. But it was good. It was, it was great, you know, making those, those connections. Um, you know, it's relatable. And I loved how you, you put out, you know, hey, I went down here and, you know, you're local. This is what, when you're, 
you know, saying I'm talking to that. Well, you know all about that because you already know that part of my story. You know, it's like um, making that connection with you're pulling somebody into your story. You know, well, you already know that part about me, but here's something you probably don't know. Um, so, you know, making it relatable. I think that's that's great. You guys are just doing a great job. I mean, somebody listened or maybe I didn't even need to be here. I don't know. One or the other. Something happened here. So <laughs> anybody else? I want to give everybody a chance that wants to. the one I'll talk to. <laughs> For years, all my life, really, I was always in church. I went to everything that came in. I was involved in Sunday school. I was in a secretary of the board. That was my thing. I thought I had to be there. I made my mom feel guilty when she wanted to skip a Sunday because I thought I had to be there. Well, years later, when Jared was two and a half, so it must have been in 1980, God just, or it was, yeah, it was 1980, I'm right. Anyhow, my um, friend from Montana came and saw me one day and she, or one night, and she says, Louise, we were talking, and she says, are you born again? I says, why, well, I teach Sunday school. I'm secretary of the board. I go to church all the time, and I was trying to tell her all the things I did. She says, oh, and she didn't say any more. Well, then that night I sat down and I started praying about it because I thought, well, what's born again and what's different? I do everything I think I'm supposed to do, and and I sat and prayed, and the next morning I went to see Susie because I knew she was different than most people. And so I went to talk to her, and she says, I think you prayed and got saved or got born again last night. She says, Judy Bart's here. She says, why don't we go in the living room and pray? And I've never prayed like that or never heard prayer like that before. And it was awesome. So I gave my life to the Lord for real, and I felt so much at peace. And the things that God has done through me through the years, all the hurts and the crud went away, and, and he keeps working on me. I've had good times and bad times, but with God, everything's possible, and I know it, and I love it, being with him. She's going to take the microphone with her. She's just going to finish the class. See, and you didn't even need your paper. You got your paper out, and you didn't even look at it. That's the thing. I mean, you know, when we talk about memorizing it, it's not necessarily I got to know, you know, every word about it, but it's I got to know where I'm going kind of thing. And when you're talking to somebody, it can change, you know, when you're depending on who you're talking to and what kind of feedback you're getting. And, you know, um, when, when somebody says, oh, you know, I, oh, I've had that same thing, then you're like, okay, well, let me spend a little more time on that then, um, you know, and something you can relate to. So, um, no, you did a great job, did a great job. Um, you know, man, you're all doing really well. You didn't fall asleep. You did well. We're just going to go down the line. On the end of this line, anyhow. I was raised by Christian parents and attended church every Sunday. I learned that God said that he would never leave us or forsake us. As a teenager, I asked Jesus into my heart and began a relationship with him. Life with Jesus gives me hope, yet life is not perfect. I recall a very scary and anxious time. I had seen a doctor for health concerns where he ordered additional lab work. The following day, he came and personally located me at work. We worked at the hospital together. He told me that my lab report said that I had leukemia and that I had an appointment with a cancer doctor within 15 minutes. This doctor came with me, held my hand during a bone marrow biopsy, which is extremely painful, and I was started on chemotherapy that day. Looking back at this time schedule of events, 
only God could have arranged these connections to diagnose and treatment. I was a medical professional for decades, and I know making appointments take time, normally weeks, and my appointments that day were within minutes. Experiencing this was intense and overwhelming, yet with Jesus, I received peace and strength to get me through it. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you, too. I am blessed to be healed. Having a relationship with Jesus is essential for my life. I continue to learn and to trust in him. I'm learning about everybody here today. That's a thing. Well, and the funny thing is, it's like how long you know somebody and you don't really know their testimony and you know some of the things that have happened in their life because it was either before you knew them or something they don't, we don't really talk about because who wants to talk about the, you know, the bad things that happen in your life? We want to forget about them. Um, but it's important because there's so many people that, you know, may be going through something exactly like that or at least know somebody or have a loved one that's going through that stuff. And when you can say, here's what I came out of, they're going, okay, well, let me listen because... Now you're a real person to me. You're not this perfect Jesus person that, you know, lives on cloud nine and has no idea what I'm going through. Yeah, I've been there. Been there. I've done that. Yeah, and I mean, who hasn't been through something that when I was in some of the, the hardest, most difficult things in my life, the only people that really struck a nerve with me were people who could say, I've been exactly where you are, and here's where I am now. And I'm looking and going, well, okay, you made it through. You're not crazy. <laughs> you're not, you know, you're not maimed. Like, okay, if you can make it through, I can make it through. And that's where that, you know, building that, that relationship um, like I said before, even if it's just a couple of minutes, I mean, in a couple of minutes, you can build a relationship with somebody where you, you're, you're building ties there, where you're saying, okay, you know, that's where I've been. Um, I mean, that's the thing is, is yeah, I, I've worked with, when I was a youth pastor, I would talk to teenagers, and, and I would encourage them to talk to the, um, the senior pastor that was at the, at the church at the time, and I'd be like, you know, why don't you talk to him? And they said, I don't think he's ever had a problem. They're like, he got saved when he was a kid and he, whatever. They're like, I don't think he's ever gone through anything. He's not going to understand what I've been through and what I'm going through. And they're like, but you've been through some stuff and you understand it. And I'm like, okay, you know, I get that. And I'm going, that doesn't disqualify you if you've never been through a horrible situation in your life. That does not disqualify you from um, being able to help somebody um, and lead them to, to Christ. And I'm trying to, you know, put to them as well. But there again, when you can meet somebody on that level, it just makes a difference. You know, when you're... Even if you've been through something difficult in your life, the friends, the family that have walked through it with you, you find you have a, a tighter bond with those people than with a lot of other people just because you walked through that, um, that difficult time in that situation. So, um, I mean, I think, I think it's great that everybody is, is willing to talk about some of those things because sometimes people don't, you don't want to talk about that stuff. And you get people to go, you know, well, yeah, I had some problems and then I met Jesus. It's really great now, so let's just talk about that. And it's like, okay, well... That's great, but let's talk about 
how that process happened. You know, we want to see the difference that Jesus made. What did he do for you? Um, you know, and how did you come out of those things? Or, or how has your life changed since you met him? So those things are, are all uh, really good. Anybody else? Would you like to? Yeah, I know we talked, I talked about it. If you'd like to, would you like to? That's okay. Either way. Anybody else? Okay. We're going to move on. So, final week. We're going to kind of go over a couple things. A um, couple new things mostly. We're going to kind of review and, and wrap up together. Um, but we're going we're gonna to hit on a few things here. So, uh, we're wrapping up right before Easter, which I think is a great uh, opportunity there. I mean, we can invite people to church. We can do that stuff. But I don't know the situation where, where you're at, where you work, people, your friends and that. Um, even at work, I'm hearing people talk about Jesus stuff. And it's not really, you know, hey, I really want to know about Jesus. But it's people saying, um, oh, it's Lent. You know, I got to remember, where's the fish fry at this Saturday? And I'm going... You know, okay, well, there's something, there's an opportunity I can kind of get my foot in the door. Um, I had a coworker tell me the other day, he said, oh, yeah, that's right, my, my so-and-so relative is going in for a surgery. I got to remember, I need to pray tonight and tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, you just regularly pray? He's like, no, but, you know, I got to remember to pray tonight because, you know, I want to make sure. And I'm like, okay. And it's like just getting those little things and, and hearing people say stuff because, People are talking about Easter. They still do stuff with their family, even if they don't go to church, or they talk about how long it's been since they've been to church. Um, you know, that kind of stuff, too. So um, it's a great time to kind of to listen, to pay attention, and maybe get a little bit, um, you know, work your way in on a few things. So one of the, the questions that I want to pose uh, tonight is when we're, when we're reaching the lost, if you look at it as in, uh, the spiritual side of things is, is we're taking somebody from death to life. Okay, so we're, we're bringing life into, into a dead place. So essentially, we're spiritually raising the dead. So my question is, if the homework for tonight was to go to the cemetery, and you don't have to get them all, but get one, okay, if your goal was to go to the cemetery and raise one person from the dead, okay, the question is, who would you bring with you? If Jesus said to you tonight, I want you to go and pray, and I want you to bring one person back to life, okay, would you go out and find the smoothest talker that you could find? You know, the real slick talking always has the right answers. Would you go and put together a band? and have them play worship songs in the, in the cemetery, who would you go get? Or would you call the person that, in your mind, has the closest relationship with Jesus? The one that you're thinking, if anybody could do it, it's this person. If, if I absolutely had to do it, this person would be the only person I would think could actually step up and has that relationship with Jesus that Jesus would answer him if he said yes. And essentially, that's what we're, we're doing with evangelism. We're trying to raise the spiritually dead back to life. 
So just like going into the cemetery, there's no magic words we can say that's going to raise somebody from the dead. And the reality is, in that situation, what would we do? We would go, okay, well, I'm going to pray. I'm going to cry out to God because I know that Jesus is the only one that can do this. I cannot make it happen. And that's the same thing that we're doing with evangelism. I can't change somebody's heart. I can't work on the inside and make it happen. What I can do is I can show up. I can talk to them. I can ask God to intervene in their life. I can plant the seed. I can water the seed. But only God can make it grow. So in the same situation, if I was called to go to the cemetery, I would in no way think that I was capable of raising somebody from the dead. I would think that, you know, God could use me for him to do it. But that's the same thing with, you know, talking to somebody about Jesus. There's nothing I can manufacture, nothing I can make you do it. So there's no, uh, nothing I can teach you to say. It's just being present. And, and talking to somebody about Jesus and asking Jesus to intervene and letting him do the work in their heart. I'm going to be present. I'm going to do my part, but I'm going to let the, the inside work leave it to Jesus. I'm not going to try to guilt somebody into it. I'm not going to try to tell somebody all the stuff they're doing wrong and here's what's going to happen to you. and You know, you're going to burn in hell if you don't do that. You know, that's not something that's going to change their heart. It's going to scare somebody into making a decision that they didn't really make on the inside. I'm here to introduce people to the source. That's my goal. If I was to walk up to an electrical item, walk up to a keyboard, and I go, okay, I want to make that keyboard play. I can grab the plug, and I can hold that plug all day, and I can sit there and do whatever I want, but I'm not going to be able to power that keyboard. What I can do is I can plug that plug into the wall. The power comes from the wall, from the electrical line. It doesn't come from me. But my job is to be the in-between guy that introduces the plug to the wall. That's, what I'm, that's my job in it. Nobody's going to expect me to power the keyboard. But if we sit up here on Sunday, and Jenny's plunking away, and it's not making any noise, and we all just stand there and stare at the plug... Somebody's going to say, well, isn't somebody going to do something? All you got to do is just put the thing wants to play. It's ready to go. You just got to plug it in. Our job is to be that person that can introduce the plug to the wall. I was driving home last week, and, and even after class, I'm on my way home, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, these thoughts start coming in. I'm going, you know, I really could have said that better. And I really should have spent more time on this. And I really, I don't even know if I explained that part well enough. I probably should have done that differently. And I could have done this like this. And I'm driving home and I'm going, all this stuff's coming. And I'm going, no, I studied. I put together what I believe God had for me to say. I presented it. And I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to do the work. I got the doubt right when I left here. And that may happen to you guys tomorrow morning. You're okay sharing your testimony here in front of people. Now, tomorrow morning, you may run into somebody and go, you know what? They probably just said that I was good last night because they have to. They're church people. They have to say that was good. I don't know if it was any good at all. You know, really, 
nobody really wants to hear what I have to say, and nobody's going to listen to me. And that doubt can creep in and start pulling you away from that stuff. And you've got to sit there and go, no, it doesn't really have anything to do. I, I can't be the one to change somebody's heart. My job is just to step up and to introduce them to Jesus. He's going to do the hard work. I just have to do the easy work. That doubt and that fear stuff will creep in. And, you know, if it doesn't ever creep in, you're probably not doing it enough. Because that's when the enemy is going to fight us is when we're making a difference. If we're not doing anything for the kingdom, what does he care? If we're actually stepping out and doing things, that's when we're going to feel some pushback. And expect it. Jesus said we would get it. So why would we not expect it? Those times when we sit there and we think, my story's not good enough. I'm not qualified to do this. I didn't, you know, I don't have a degree from a Bible college. I don't have this stuff. And at times we say that and we call it humility. I'm not good enough. But the reality is, that's not humility, that's pride. Because pride says that I have any way to change your heart. That it's all dependent on me. It's not dependent on me. All I'm there to do is introduce you, to talk about it. God's going to do the hard part. So me trying to knock myself down and say, well, I'm just not worthy of that, and other people are better at this, and I shouldn't talk about it and whatever, is not me being humble. Not at all. That's me stepping into the place saying, you know, well, I have to do this perfectly or God can't work. That's not the case. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. I've said it many, many times. I've quoted it over and over and over. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. One of the biggest things I hope you get from this class is that when you get a no, that is not failure. A no is not failure. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God makes it grow. Paul planted the seed. I mean, it's Paul. He should be able to seal the deal. If anybody could do it, it's Paul. And Paul says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. Apollos, he should be able to close the deal. Apollos watered it. God made it grow. There are very, very clear steps in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying this can't all happen at once because it absolutely can. There may be a time where you can sit down with somebody and you walk them through. Odds are if that happens, they've heard it before. Something's been working in their heart. Not saying it can't happen. It absolutely can. But more often than not, we see people being introduced to Jesus little by little, multiple steps by multiple people. God changes the heart, but he's entrusted us to do the talking. It's our duty as Christians to tell people about Jesus, not just to look out for ourselves and leave evangelism to somebody else. Okay? Luke chapter 14, verse 34-35. It's one I'm sure you've all heard before. Salt is good, but if it loses its taste, if it loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either in the soil or the manure pile, and it's thrown away. 
He who has ears, let him hear. What good is it if we look like Christians, but we don't taste like Christians? The salt here, it lost its saltiness. It lost its purpose. We might look like Christians, but if we focus too much on worrying about what we look like, on who we are, on what right we have, that what we can do as Christians, then we've lost our purpose. Because the Bible says our purpose is to tell people about Jesus. Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, and I know I'm blasting through these really fast here. I'd be happy to give you references afterwards if you're looking for something. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying you shouldn't worry about taking care of all your needs. God knows your needs. He'll take care of those you need to spend the time telling people about Jesus. We shouldn't fear talking to people because how they might react to us. We should be thinking more about standing before God one day and what that's going to look like. How is he going to react to us based on what we've done for him? What if you were introducing your friend to a famous person? Let's say you've, you know a famous person, they're coming to visit you, you bring your friend over, and you want to, whoever your favorite famous person is, and you're going to introduce them to them. So would you avoid the topic? Would you tell them, well, you know, you know we just kind of ran into each other once. We don't, we don't really know each other. Would you downplay your relationship with the person? Or would you sit there and say, oh, no, 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 this is my good friend so-and-so. Let me tell you some details so that you know that I really know them, that I didn't just, you know, run into them once and meet them. You would tell them details about that person so that they would know you have a personal relationship with them. And that's the same way we should be with Jesus. We don't want to just, oh, yeah, 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 I know him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, if you ever want to ride to church someday, that's fine, great. We should be able to give details in our story, in our life, that shows I really know him. Because here's how he stepped into my life. This is how well I know him. He knew my need, and he showed up. And now I'm in forever in his debt for that. I have this personal relationship. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's been our theme through the entire six weeks. The Great Commission. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
Now, we called this class Evangelism 101. Okay? Let me tell you a secret. There is no Evangelism 201. Okay? This is all you need to know. Yes, we could sit here, we could study, uh, we could dig down farther into what the Bible says about evangelism, and that's not a bad thing to do, and you can do that at home. But the truth is, we could sit here and we could study every Wednesday night for 20 years, and we could never go out and do it. But that's just like somebody who goes to college year after year after year and gets more and more degrees, but never actually gets a job working in a field to benefit somebody else. Their knowledge is wasted if we don't ever actually do what the Bible tells us to do, what we've learned, then our knowledge is wasted. We could get together. We could talk about it forever. We could talk about how to go out and do it. We could talk about who would be a great person to talk to or where we might run into somebody. Or we can actually follow verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So here's what I did. Um, This is twice now. In this study, I've looked into the Greek, okay? I don't do that all the time. I looked up the word go, as it says in the Greek there, okay? It's this word here, porunimai. I have no idea what that means, but I'm going to show you. It shows up 154 times in the Bible, okay? These are all separate instances where that same Greek word is. I did the dig deep for you here, so you don't have to, Okay? The meaning of the word go there is go. 154 times, it means accompany, depart, departure, following, go on their way, go away, goes, going, going away, gone, journey, journeying, leave, proceed, pursue a course, started, traveling, walking. It goes on and on, but every single time, It means the action of going. So there's no denying when Jesus said go, he meant go. He doesn't mean sit here or wait or it's not time yet. He means go. Go into all the world. Studying is good. And we can study it forever, and we should always be studying our Bible and always studying something. But we have to go. We have to put it into practice. We can't just say, uh, we don't have the excuse of, well, I didn't know how to do it, God. Well, he's going to go, well, didn't you just spend six Wednesdays talking about it? I mean, didn't you stand up before everybody and give your testimony proving that you knew how to say it? So now we know you know how to say it but you just didn't go and tell it to anybody? Therefore, go and make disciples. Truthfully, we're going anyway. We're all going somewhere. We go to work. We go to school. We go out to eat. We go to the store. We, go, we are always going. So we're following the first part. Go, therefore. Now we have to make disciples of all nations. We just have to get used to talking about Jesus where we go. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Why would God put his spirit inside of you just to gather together and talk about it for years? Or would he put his spirit inside of you so that it will empower you to go and tell other people about Jesus? 
He's going to put his spirit inside of us for a reason. Making disciples. Let's say you talk to somebody and they get saved. Now, how are they going to learn how to pray? How are they going to learn how to study the Word of God? Now, yes, you could point them to a YouTube video or tell them to go to a class or, or tell them to go to church and figure it out. But realistically, the best way for them to learn how to pray, to learn how to study the Word, is for you to show them. Okay, here's how, you know, here's how I pray. Here's how I study the Word. You know, I look up this, and then I, you know, I, I, I focus on this, and I pray about this, and those kind of things. So, I mean, it, it's the best way for them to learn is for us to show them. And the thing you'll find out when the more you tell somebody how to pray, the more you go home and go, you know what, i got to make sure I am on my prayer game. I need to be praying. And if I'm going to teach somebody how to study the Bible, I better be studying the Bible. And I better be on it. And then, as it goes around, you realize this entire evangelism thing, it's rigged. Because the more I tell people about Jesus, the more I help them study and pray, the more I want to get close to Jesus, and I want to study, and I want to pray, and now I'm getting closer, and then I want to tell more people about it, and the more people I tell about it, the more I want to get closer to Jesus, and it's just a big circle where we're all getting closer to Jesus. And that's how the system works. I got a new job a couple of weeks ago. I'm working at a marina as a service writer. I write up uh, estimates and stuff for repairs to boats. When I started, they said, what do you know about boats? I said, well, I know you don't want to have a hole in one. And that's about it. And I had three weeks that I put in my notice in, the, uh, in my previous job. So I had three weeks to learn everything about boats. Okay? And I'm like, I'm going to watch YouTube videos. I'm going to learn these part names. I'm going to blow their minds. And I watched a few, but it was boring. And then I got to work. And I started hearing terms that I'd never heard before. And it motivated me. I wanted to get going, and I wanted to learn, not only because I didn't want to look stupid or sound stupid, but I want to be the best at my job. And so two weeks in, I'm hearing words and I'm writing them down. And now I'm, I'm researching stuff and I'm figuring out stuff about impellers and biminis and stuff that I've never even heard of in my life. And now I'm learning about it. But what changed? My passion changed because I was thrown into something. I was thrown into it and said, now I need to know about it because now I'm going to be telling other people about it. I'm going to be that, that guy in between that's trying to help people out. It's the same thing um, with evangelism. The more you're out there telling people about it, the more you're going, I really need to be studying. I really need to make sure that I'm putting all of this in here so that I've got it and pull it out so I can help other people. So the more we do, the more we want to put the Word of God in our heart, the more we want to get close to the Holy Spirit. I've got a, a short video here. Um, well, it's not really that short. It's about six minutes. Um, and I want to play it for you. And this is, um, I'm going to kind of set it up because this is taken out of a, uh, it was a conference on discipleship. Okay. The two guys in the video are Francis Chan and David Platt. These guys literally wrote the book on discipleship. 
they wrote a book called Multiply together. Obviously, Francis Chan's written other things, so has David Platt, but they wrote a book called Multiply. And they did a conference, and this was not your usual conference where somebody's putting on a conference and they invite somebody to come. This was two guys that said, we need to do something on evangelism. Let's just do it ourselves. And they did a two-night thing. Uh, they live-streamed it to a 1,000 churches, just said, here's a free thing. We want to get up here and do this. Now, the clip that I want to show you is the two of them sitting down with a pastor uh, by the name of Todd Proctor, and they were doing a, like a Q&A. They're just sitting there in a chair doing a Q&A, and some people had asked questions after the first night uh, by email on that. And so they're just going to, the, the one question we're just going to go over was basically, how do I get started? And I want you to hear these two guys. These are two guys that I, that I go to a lot when I'm doing evangelism stuff. And I, I was watching this the other day, and I'm like, you know, I could, I could say a couple of these things. I'm like, I could just let them say it. It'd just be easier. But I, wanna, I want you to watch specifically how when they answer the question, they'll go back and forth. And the two of them, they get more excited and more passionate as they answer the question, as they feed off of one another as well. So they're going to just talk for a few minutes here. Um, But I just want you to see that I'm not the only one that feels this way about evangelism. You're not the only ones that feel that we've made it a whole lot harder than what it is. There's people all over the country. There's people all over the world that are getting out there and just wanting to simply share who Jesus is with people. So I want to show this, this video real quick, um, and then we'll, we'll kind of go over it and we'll wrap up after this. We want to talk for a few minutes about what does it practically look like to be oh, a disciple. Oh, I don't have the sound on. It's on the left side of the board. It says CD. Sorry, I pushed all the buttons but that one. It makes We want to talk for a few minutes about what does it practically look like to be a disciple that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. And maybe the place to start, in fact, last night we encouraged people that were watching to via Facebook or Twitter to suggest questions for this time. We, we asked a few questions last night, but here's one we didn't really talk about. It was asked through Facebook, um, how does this begin? And, you know, not with somebody that you are already walking with, that's part two, but how do you even engage people that don't know Jesus um, in these conversations about Jesus? And can you guys explain what's that, what's that look like in your everyday lives? I mean, it, you know, I think this is huge because, like, in 1 Corinthians 9, how he talks about how he just became all things to all men so that he might win some. It's like he just got into people's lives and tried to, uh, you know, not offend them or whatever, but just find some common ground, get in there with them so that he could start sharing. And so for me, this is my personal way, I just, I just start talking to people. I mean, I, I think we as believers just need to get better at that. Like, look another human being in the eye and say, what's up? Or, you know, depending on what they're like, you know, go make pot choy, you know, just, just, let's just start a conversation about whatever, all for the purpose of, of, but, 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 okay, let's back up. Okay, for example, last night, last night, uh, as you were talking, I was like, God, you know what, even tomorrow, when I get on the plane, put me next to someone that I can actually have a conversation with, that actually wants to talk about Jesus. So, it, it starts with prayer, yeah. and 
And then it was weird, you know, so then I sit down on the plane and this lady's speaking some other language. I have no idea what she's saying to her friend and I'm just thinking, oh, great. You know, I prayed and talked to someone and so I'm like, hi, how are you? She goes, uh, fine. You know, and I'm like, man, God, what am I going to do? But I don't know. You know what? This boldness. I'm going to pursue this. Find out she does speak English. We, we start talking about just whatever. She's from Brazil. We talk about different things. Coming out on vacation, on and on and on. Talking about whatever. I ask her about her job. You know, and then after a while, I just start talking about my own life. And she starts asking questions about me. I tell her about, man, I could tell you about some things that did happen in my life. Um, and start telling stories about how God came through. You guys, after sharing uh, for just a, a few minutes, these are the, literally the words that came out of her mouth. She goes, ever since I was little, I've wanted to know about Jesus. Mm. And I'm going, what? I go, no, 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 you don't understand. Like last night I prayed that I would sit next to someone that actually wanted to talk about Jesus and, and here was this person searching, and I go, look, you know it's not coincidence. Like, so, so it's, it's this thing about prayer and having faith and then saying, God, this is what I want to do tomorrow. This is what I want to do today. Put someone in my path and then just starting conversation and seeing what happens. And just an amazing time, conversation. And so, I, you know, one of the things we talked about last night that I want to bring back up is uh, something I heard a pastor that I respect greatly uh, say recently, he said, um, how, how did, he was asking, how, people ask him, how do you know when God's working in somebody's life, like drawing them to himself? And his answer was, they're standing right next to you. Like he's, he's put them there for a reason. So it's not an accident you're sitting there. It's, it wasn't an accident I was sitting next to the guy I was sitting next to. Long story short, yeah, I had similar conversation. He grew up Methodist. Studied Catholic theology in college and is clueless about what he believes about Christ, and so we start, and so and 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 so there's a sense in which that happens on a random basis. So to really think through, or you're sitting in Starbucks, all right, I'm gonna trust that God has sovereignly put people here around me for a reason, and and so you're praying with that. But then also, it doesn't just have to be random. God's already put some of those people in your life, like you know people. That he's put in your sphere of influence for a reason. Mm. And he's put them in your sphere of influence and not mine or Francis Chan's or Todd's or anybody else's. Somebody that you would kind of maybe classify as, oh man, if that person, if Francis could talk with them, oh, that'd be great. God knew what he was doing when he put that person in your sphere of influence. Mm. And he's empowered you to share the gospel with that person. And so, so in my own life... Um, there's, there's people in my sphere of influence that I, that I want to be intentional. I, I mentioned uh, sitting at lunch with a guy this week. And so this is what I, I try to do. I'll try to set up, hey, an intentional time to sit down where we're going to talk about, and my goal is to talk about the gospel with that person. So I just kind of think of that as an evangelistic lunch that I really want to be focused on. And this is, this is what I'm living for. So this is not just battle here and there that I want to enter into and come out, but and again, this is why I have breath. So I want to be intentional about thinking about sphere of influence, people who are my sphere of influence, and saying, how can I be intentional about sharing the gospel? Yeah, and I would say to that, like, everyone's got a different sphere of influence. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think in the olden days, we used to think, 
okay, I get so close to the Lord, and if I really want to grow, then I'll become a pastor. Mm. You, you know, and like that's the next level of spirituality. And it's like, no, not everyone's called to do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some are called to be amazing engineers, amazing attorneys, because you can get in circles that I could never get into. Like, they're not going to talk to me. You know, they're going to talk to you, especially if you're excelling and you're working as unto the Lord. I, I mean, you know, the people in the business world are going to look up at the very successful businessmen, you know, the, the orthodontist, I don't know, what, you know, who makes great braces, you know. It, it's like I'm, you, you excel in your field for the glory of God for that platform. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about where, you know, like when I used to just play basketball, like pickup games, and, you know, if I didn't do real well, like I missed like four layups, I, I don't want to share the faith because they're like that. I'm going to talk to the guy that missed four layups. But, you know, I mean, that rarely happened. You know, but if I'm draining everything, you know, it's like, it, it, there's almost like this courage. Like, I excelled in this field, and people are going to listen to me. I, I think it all kind of goes together. And I, I guess what I'm saying is, some of you have people in your world that I will never get to. Because we don't have the same gifting. We don't have the same sphere of influence. And we've got to get past this whole, I'm going to bring them to church and listen to a stranger you know, talk about the word of God versus like, man, this guy works with me and he's seen my life and he knows that there's something different about me and I got to just look him in the eye and tell him, man, I've been working with you for months and man, I really like you. Man, it's fun hanging out with you, but I got to tell you what's the most important thing in my life. Like he's going to be more apt to hear that from you. She's going to hear it from you more than some stranger because it's not like nowadays everyone has so much admiration for clergy. You know, it's like, ooh, if I could talk to a clergy, you know, it's like, no, it's the opposite. Right. They're going to trust you more. And so this is all about empowering you and saying, this is the only way we're going to reach people. And that's, I mean, it just makes sense that the best way to reach people in a city with the gospel is not by trying to get them into one building to hear one person right. speak, but by sending out hundreds, thousands of people, every single one of them filled with the Holy Spirit of God into every part of that city all week long to make this gospel known. That's when the gospel multiplies. Um, we get addition with the first method. We get multiplication when every disciple is making disciples. Hey, man, see why I didn't want to try to say that? <laughs> Those guys in six minutes have knocked out my six weeks. <laughs> I feel like they can, they can just plug it right there. And so it's something where, you know, that's why we're doing this. We're trying to empower and encourage you to say, you can do this. You know, just like he said at the end, we can sit here and try to get everybody in one place, or we can all just go out into our own sphere of influence. Uh, I just love how the two of them, they just keep feeding back and forth off each other, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's good, that's good. And then this, and then this, and then this. And it's like, you know, even talking about evangelism is getting them fired up more and more. And that's where we want to be. You know, we're not alone in our thinking here. I, I want to see hearts changed. You know, I, I, I know you want to see hearts changed. I know God wants to see hearts changed. And I just want you to know, through the six weeks, if you take anything back, know that you have what it takes to do that. You have the ability. You have your story. Now it's time for us to get going and to multiply. I hope you found the class helpful. I'm going to wrap it up here in just a minute. If you ever do have questions or you want to talk to somebody, you want some more detail on it, absolutely come talk to me. Um, 
but I just, I really want to see this area changed, and I really think we can do so by getting out there, just a handful of people, as we spread out and tell people about Jesus and teach them how to tell people about Jesus, just like he's saying, we can multiply this area, and it can be changed because we all got together one night and talked about it and got a game plan and went out and reached the city. We can do that. That's what they did. Twelve guys did that. Eleven, really. Uh, they did that in the Bible throughout the whole world. We can totally do that. Don? Okay, you want to share your testimony? Absolutely. I need to make changes in my life, and I couldn't do it, and I asked God to uh, ask Jesus to help me and to change me. And I knew I was a sinner and I was going to hell. And if I didn't change and ask Jesus in my heart is to be, to be my Lord and Savior. And my mother led me to the Lord. And then after that, I still have a struggle uh, with, uh, at first I wasn't honest. And then I started changing and, and God's changed me in other ways. It's taken a, uh, a while to change things, but little at a time he's doing it amen amen thanks don thank you don see that's what you know we can encourage each other to go out there and know that, that you're not the only one out there doing it you know the more that we we do that the more that we share we're just going to encourage each other to do that you know i encourage you to to get together or talk to somebody in church you know next week two weeks from now a month from now and just say hey how's it going have you had a chance to share your story with anybody and just keeping each other uh, on the ball and thinking about that all the time. You know, we want to hit those opportunities uh, when they're there. And we're praying for those opportunities to come up. And we don't want to miss them. I mean, I would rather tell too many people about Jesus than not enough. I would rather have people, somebody smack me in the face. That was the funny thing. One of the other things uh, Francis Chan was talking about through, it was a two-hour thing I was watching. And he's like, man, we were talking about something. And somebody was like, yeah, somebody punched me in the face. And he's like, oh, Nobody ever punched me in the face for it. <laughs> it's like, I want that. And I'm like, okay, I don't really want that. But you know that, you know what, I, I'm out there and I'm doing it the way that it's supposed to be if I'm getting a little bit of pushback sometimes. So we're not going to get them all. But absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm just so glad you're all here and that you're coming. Did you have something, Linda, you want to say? Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I do. Um, you know, and I, I always tell people um, when I, I teach or preach or whatever, and they're like, hey, you did such a great job. And I'm thinking, what I'd really like to do is see that happen. You know, I'd like to look back in six months and go, okay, somebody was listening. They were paying attention. Like, stuff is changing. Um, and that's where I, I hope we're all in that boat where, where we want to see things change. And, you know, I was hoping throughout the entire thing, I did not want to make this a negative experience to say, here's all the stuff we're doing wrong, and you, know, you got to get better at it. But to be an empowering and encouraging thing, you guys have encouraged me tonight with your testimonies. I'm getting excited. I mean, I'm ready to go. You know, and there's times where I feel like, boy, am I the only one out here doing this? And, you know, I, it's just such a joy to know that other people have a story and be willing to tell your story and, you know, that's what we're here to do. We're here to spur one another on, encourage each other, and, and go out and reach the lost. That's the only way we're going to change our town, our country. That's the only way we're going to do it is to let 
the Holy Spirit change people's hearts. Because it doesn't matter what laws we have or what the country says we can or can't do. The Holy Spirit changes the heart. That's what changes what men actually do versus what we're told we can and can't do. You know, they could tell us we could do whatever we want, but if the Holy Spirit changes our heart, we're going to do what honors God. So that's what we want to be at. So, um, you know, thank you guys for coming. I I really appreciate it. It's been a joy to teach this class, and I just want to end in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much. God, for the opportunity you've given me, Lord, to come and and to teach. God, I thank you for each one that's come uh, this week and the other weeks, those who uh, were able to come every week and those who were not able to come every week. God, I just pray that you'll put a passion in their heart. God, just a, a desire and a fire to, to talk about you. God, just, just stir up a love and a drawing so much to you that it's got to come out. Lord Jesus, I just, I, I think of... Um, God, just what's running in my mind. And think of um, when you're filling a, a, a cup at a, uh, at a soda fountain. And if you're not paying attention and it overflows, God, and, it, and it, that cup is so full that it can't help but get everything wet around it. God, I just pray that you'll let that be our, our hearts, God. Let that be inside of us, that we are so full of the Holy Spirit that we can't help but get it on people that are around us. God, that we can't help but share our story and talk about you. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you will uh, do a mighty thing in this area, God, that, that uh, through us sharing our story and telling people about you, that we will see people get saved in this area. God, I pray that you will help us to, to see many people come to know you, whether they live here or elsewhere, whether they come to church here or elsewhere, God, um, that they will get into a place where there's a, a Bible-teaching church, God, that they will grow. Lord Jesus, that we will build the kingdom and the church as a whole, the big church, globally. God, I just pray that you will put that fire in us, God, and help us to, uh, to fulfill the things you've asked us to do. And I pray this in your name, Jesus' name. Amen.